certainly at least since before the writing, when the hidden purpose of a lifetime's obsession, for years clumsy and unformed, finally showed itself. As a kid, I would forego normal childhood interests, preferring instead to engage in conversation with some of the tens of thousands of men, then barely out of middle age, who had taken part in the Second World War, particularly the airmen. I would appear to them, this strange child, solemn and inquisitive, boldly intruding into the violent events of their youth, eager to extract some flavour of their war. Perhaps my age to them was a little disarming, but they spoke to me, and I learned to ask the right questions. Could I really have been laughing? Surely not. Yet that's how I remember it in the perfectly framed half-second before the fall of the tree, before the tall messmate, Eucalyptus obliqua, with all its springy kinetic energy and twenty metres of height, tilting on its severed base which I had cut, badly as it turned out, came crashing down on top of me. Perhaps not so much a laugh, but a moment of clarity, an instant in which I foresaw the whole thing, the mistake in hastily cutting the wrong tree, its fall, the ambulance, the hospital, the metal, the scars, the crutches, and the rehabilitation. As if the whole thing had already played out from start to finish, and I was there merely to observe, an audience to a macabre piece of theatre. The images, though disconnected, are clear. The trunk of the big tree passing me on its way to the ground a mere hand's width from my face. Why so close? Why this odd angle? I still recall the exquisite details of the tree trunk, mottled grey spots with a touch of pink, framed in my vision like a photograph. Just as it fell, catching my left thigh, pile driving it into my bursting ankle, ramming my shattered tibia and fibula into the soil, and pinning me under its ton of weight. Of the actual break, however, I mean the moment of it, I have no memory at all. No thud, no sickening crack, certainly no shock of pain, not yet anyway. I was simply on the ground, under a tree, wondering how on earth my boot had managed to come off my leg, before realising my foot was still inside it. Then, suddenly, I was very, very cold. It certainly doesn't sound like much to laugh about. Perhaps in the hospital, under the long and lingering bouts of anaesthetic, or the deranged morphine haze in which I remained, seemingly for weeks, everything became warped, overcooked, like dreams in a fever. The most physically traumatic event of my life took place barely a year ago, and already my memories of it are confused and fading. How, then, will I remember it, should I be around in, say, another thirty years, or forty? If I live to be the age of Jeff Perry, a Wellington bomber pilot who survived his tour of thirty operations at a time when it was almost a statistical impossibility to do so, I will have carried the memories in my head for forty-eight years. How will I recall them then? Will the drama of my little injury, caused by nothing but my own foolish misadventure, diminish across the wider landscape of my life? Or will it amplify, its colours more vivid? The quiet generation that fought the Second World War are, finally, 
heartbreakingly, leaving us and taking their memories with them. As we farewelled, so recently it seems, the last living remnants of the First World War, so we will soon mourn those from the Second. It is a parting I have anticipated and dreaded all my life. They leave us at a time when the world has rarely seemed more uncertain or more neurotic, and we will soon be left to simply speculate on how much their courage, their modesty and their humour might have assuaged the runaway anxieties of early 21st century life. We will soon, all of us, be orphans in their wake. But they are not gone yet. Not quite. As the years 1939 to 1945 continued to emerge from the cocoon of shock and silence that enveloped the early post-war decades, more and more books, television shows and films on the subject...